Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good morning to you. It is Drive Time Radio. I am your congenial host, New York Vinny. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes, or actually an hour this morning, uh, on a uh, little bit of a rainy Saturday morning in Seattle to uh, spend some time talking cars and life and whatever else comes up in the next hour right here on Drive Time Radio. I am coming to you live from the road. I am in uh, Gillette, Wyoming at the Howard Johnson. So if you're in the area, stop by. We could have a live studio audience here watching the show. I don't know what you'd be doing in Gillette, Wyoming, to be honest with you. But there are a lot of people here, a lot of bars, a lot of casinos, a lot of cowboys. And then there's the kid from New York City here. But it's been a, a great trip in. we got a really good show for you today. Uh, it is, first off, let me mention, Army-Navy game day. So go Navy. Uh, sorry for you Army people, but I come from a Navy family. So go Navy. It's been tough past three years for the Navy, so hopefully today at Lincoln Financial, where it's pouring rain, they will be able to uh, overcome that uh, hex that seems that the Army has put on them. But for our show, we're not going to have any Army or Navy people that I know about on, but we will have, starting us off this morning in just a couple of minutes, Mark Gillies from Volkswagen. He is the senior product specialist at Volkswagen. Uh, Volkswagen did an interesting survey about SUVs. We're going to find out what they found out about the most popular vehicles in the Northwest, sports utility vehicles and crossovers. Volkswagen's doing a nice job with theirs, and I thought it'd be nice to have him on and tell us a little bit about what you want and what you say is the reason that you drive an SUV instead of a car. The Costco Auto Program, I don't know if you uh, see that car when you go into Costco sitting in the lobby, but that's there so you can buy it at a, and have the Costco experience in driving uh, and buying a car. Rick Borg is going to join us from the Costco Auto Program. He's going to explain how it works and how you can save money by going through Costco if you are a Costco member. Also, I have the road test for you coming up. Lots of other good stuff as well. We'll start it out, though, with the top five. Time now for this week's top five. The five things you need to know about cars and car culture this week. Well, I, you know, I did a little something different this week. I mean, there were a few things that happened in the car world, but nothing earth-shattering, nothing shaking, unless you want to go into politics and talk about the $30 car tabs and all that stuff. We'll do that in a future show. What, um... In driving along I-90, I love the road. I, I love taking this trip, I-90 or any uh, interstate, or getting off the road and going into these little towns. And over the past uh, few days that I've been on the road, I really got a chance to see a little bit of America. So I figured I would let you know the top five things. I've put pictures of a lot of this stuff and even some video on my Facebook page, just go to facebook.com slash New York Vinny, NY Vinny, you can find it there. So we will get you uh, get you updated on some of the stuff I saw, which was incredible. I think the coolest thing I, I might have seen the whole trip so far was 4,000 nutcrackers in Luverne, 
Minnesota. This is a small town in Minnesota, and they have the Christmas spirit. I guess uh, some woman donated uh, like about 3,500 nutcrackers to the people of Luverne, so they put it in their um, little history center. And there are all different types of nutcrackers, sports nutcrackers, police nutcrackers, firemen nutcrackers, a big working nutcracker. See, that's the requirement for the museum is the nutcracker has to work to be in it. You can't have ones that don't work. They even have these little mini nutcrackers. You know what? They work. So if you have small nuts, you might want to use the mini nutcracker to crack those little nuts in there. Also, and by the way, the guy that's the docent at this museum, Dave, was just a wonderful, warm guy. If there's one thing that you get when you take these cross-country trips, it's how beautiful people are, how wonderful people in this country are. It's, it's amazing in these small towns. There's nothing around, but yet they all get along. And by the way, in Luverne, Minnesota, they also have, which I thought was really cool, nutcrackers all over the place. You know, like, um, like you know, you go to some cities, they have the bulls. Some cities have the fire hydrants, whatever it is. Well, they have nutcrackers all over the place that people have done. Also, one of the great things that I saw was the Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> it's like the 50-foot Jolly Green Giant. I looked at the thing, I said, wow, the 50-foot woman finally has a boyfriend as the Jolly Green Giant. Great thing to stop and see, get your picture taken in front of. It was, um, I don't know, it was about 8 degrees out, and people were stopping, getting out of their cars, and taking pictures with the Jolly Green Giant. So that was one of the really cool things as well. I got to tell you, the 80-mile-an-hour speed limit in South Dakota is boss. I mean, it is just a cruise, a cruise along 80 miles an hour. Really, you can fudge it and go 85 and 90 if you want. Nobody really bothers you. Now, there's nothing much out there to hit. And certainly you have to slow down. But just the feeling of being able to go across the state at 80 miles an hour that they think that you're responsible enough to drive. No accidents, no nothing. Just people giving each other space, driving correctly, staying out of the left lane and cruising along at 80, 85 miles an hour. One town, Albert Lee, Minnesota on I-90, has like two really cool things. The headquarters of Spam, Hormel, is in there. I took a picture and showed that on Facebook. Also, the Eddie Cochran, remember the rock and roller Eddie Cochran? He was born there. They have a nice little monument to uh, Eddie Cochran. I really, if I would have thought this out a little bit more, actually, I probably would have headed down to, uh, to Clear Lake, Iowa, because I've always wanted to go see a, my morbid, you know, I'm a morbid guy sometimes. I really want to go see the spot where uh, Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Richie Valens perished in that plane crash the day the music died back on February 3rd, 1959. It's always been a place that has, uh, that has called me for some reason. I just, uh, and I didn't get a chance to go. I probably should have gone this trip, but when I, I have to make another trip out, uh, in January or February. Maybe I'll even try to make it February 3rd and go there on the day. The Corn Palace in Mitchell, South Dakota was unbelievable. I mean, just to, if, think about this. This is a big arena 
And every year the farmers in South Dakota get together and they send corn in and the artists make pictures, these big, huge murals on the side of the corn palace. It's an incredible, incredible sight. And it's my second or third time at the Corn Palace, actually. And it just never ceases to amaze me how beautiful it is. The artwork, it's always different every year. They always do a competition. Then they have these these artists come in, and they use the kernels of corn and the husks and everything else and the stalks to make these pieces of art. And it's it's really, go online, go to my website, uh, to my uh facebook page and take a look at it there was just some incredible incredible artwork and it was fun to be there at christmas time if one thing has struck me about this trip i've never done this in the winter i've only done it in the summer and the stark beauty of the badlands with the snow on the ground uh the wide open skies with clouds up above dark clouds up above in some places uh is really i think in a lot of ways um God's way of saying this is what beauty is supposed to look like. And finally, the uh, the final thing I did last night um, was really, uh, you know, kind of kind of interesting. I went to Mount Rushmore, and I think it was really odd, but I, I felt compelled as I was driving down I-90. I wasn't going to go, but I felt compelled to get off of I-90 make the 20-mile trip down to Mount Rushmore. And I got there about 9 o'clock at night, and you couldn't see the memorial. The only thing you could see when I got there was Washington's profile. Everything else was fogged over. And I was the only one there. Now, you go to Mount Rushmore... If you've ever been there, I mean, there's bus loads and car loads and truck loads of people going up to see this thing. But there was no one there. No one. And it, it was great because I sat down and I looked at Washington's chin, which was about all I could see. Although I had faith that Roosevelt and Jefferson... Uh, and and and, um, uh, <laughs> and Lincoln were up there. I had the faith that they were up there, and I just looked up, and I and and it really, with everything that's going on in, in life and in this country these days, it just made me really reflect on what the presidency was about, and what everything in this country stands for. If there's one thing that this trip has done for me, and I've turned off a lot of the you know, political stuff that's going on. I listen every once in a while, but I've turned a lot of it off and tuned it out because I wanted to see what people are doing, what people are thinking. And it's a great, wide, wonderful country. And sitting there last night at Mount Rushmore by myself with the presidents in a fog, I was just, I was washed with this feeling of no matter what happens, that this country is going to survive. That, that this country, America, is carved in stone, and we can get past anything we need to get past. All right, that's my little political thing. When we come back, Mark Gillies from Volkswagen will join us. We'll talk about why you drive an SUV if you're in the Northwest or actually anywhere in this country. It's drive time. I'm New York Vinny right here on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. 
It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. You're listening to Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Back with you here on Drive Time. New York Vinny in with you. Something caught my eye in my inbox uh, this week. Uh, my email inbox. And you can always get me there at uh, Vinny at drivetime-radio.com if you have a comment or something. But Volkswagen sent out a piece of uh, a press release talking about a survey that they did that talked about SUV ownership. Now, obviously, if you're in the Northwest, or most places these days, you look around and you're surrounded by SUVs, CUVs, crossovers, little SUVs, big SUVs. Volkswagen uh, announced uh, their Atlas SUV, the revamp of that, coming up here in, uh, in the next uh, model year. So lots of good stuff going on around them. But I was interested in finding out more about the profile, about why you drive an SUV. So I asked Mark Gillies from Volkswagen, he's the uh, senior uh, product specialist from Volkswagen, to jump on with us a couple of minutes. Mark, good morning. How are you? Hi, Mark. Hey, how are you? Oh, there we go. All right, how you doing? I'm good. Nice wet day in uh, Virginia today, but yeah, otherwise everything's fine, yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm out here in Wyoming, and I can tell you it is, uh, it's um, snowy and cold, so I guess it's winter, huh? Uh, it's that time of the year, yeah. Yeah. So I, I saw the survey and was quite interested in it. Uh, Volkswagen commissioned the survey, I guess, to know your SUV buyer a little bit better. And uh, I thought there were some very interesting things in that survey. Uh, maybe that we can start with why are these uh, these cars so popular these days? I think basically, I mean, it, you know, they're like a carry-all, basically. Um, I think people find them, you know, they're spacious. Obviously, you can fit lots of people in them. Uh, they're very convenient. Um, women particularly like high-driving positions. And I think because, you know, they're generally bigger than cars, people feel that they're safer uh, than regular passenger cars. Um, and, you know, that's the, the thing is, you know, they might not be safer necessarily if you drove into a tree, but if it's a small car versus a, a vehicle the size of the Atlas, you know, at the end of the day, might is right in that type of accident. So, so safety is a, a big thing. 
Um, and again, a, a lot of it is other things as well. Older people like the fact they're easy to get into and get out of because getting into a car, you have to go down into it, whereas into a SUV, you step up into it. Is um, And is that why we're seeing, you know, like the uh, your, your um, uh, sport wagon go away and... Uh, the Buick, uh, Buick announced this week that the uh, the X, the, the their station wagon is going away, along with a couple of their cars. They're going to be an SUV only company. Is, is that why we're seeing this this shift over to these things, or is there something else going on in these SUVs? No, I think I think it's mainly you know I think obviously one of the things we found out that was that actually SUVs have become like a, a replacement for the living room. You know, people are saying that they. They have family discussions in their SUVs, so it's a new place for family family time. But I think you know it, it's kind of cyclical in the car business. You know, in the '90s it was it was all about minivans, or in the '70s and '80s it was all about station wagons. And, and you know, what I always say is that if you look at an SUV, um, it's essentially it's a station wagon, but just a taller version of it. If you think about it, if you think of the utility you get. Um, you know, they always say Americans don't buy hatchbacks. And I go, well, hang on a sec, you know, like 55% of the vehicles on the road in America today are hatchbacks because basically, you know, an SUV has that big hatchback opening. And, it, and it's a very convenient way of, you know, getting things into and out of a vehicle. Also, you know, if you look at things like, uh, if you look at minivans, I think what happens in the cyclical nature is that, you know, the people who are, being schlepped around in the back of minivans in, in the early 90s, you know, that was their parents' car, so they're looking for the same kind of convenience and practicality, but they don't want to be in, in, the, in you know, their mum's or dad's car. So I think the SUV has basically replaced the minivan as the, as the practical vehicle of choice for, for a lot of Americans. And, you know, you never know. You know, the, the current um, kids who are being uh, taken to soccer games in, you know, Atlas's and Tiguan's and pilots and explorers you know maybe they'll rebel against that body style and you know look for bigger wagons in the, in the next 10 years you know it's one of those things it's very difficult to predict but at the moment you know pretty much everybody we surveyed said that they aren't going to go back to another form of vehicle having been driving an suv or we might see kids showing up at showrooms wanting to golf, <laughs> wanting to get the, the small golf hatchback with the, uh, you know, the R line or something like that. It is kind of funny how it, how it goes, and and people rebel against the kind of cars their parents had. I think that's probably why we saw sports cars in the '60s and high performance cars become so popular. Uh, not only the need for speed, but also the uh, you know the kind of little bit of a rebellion thing there. Um, yeah. What about performance? I mean, we, we talked just a second ago about performance. When you get into SUVs, now I see that the Ford has introduced a Mustang SUV. Um, what about that, that factor? Is that going to come alive more across the uh, product lines as we see these things develop? I think, I think one of the things you're going to see, um, I mean, there's been a bit of talk um, in, in the media about Volkswagen doing an R version of the Tiguan. Um, for instance, that's that's an obvious sort of development. But I think one thing you're going to see with electric vehicles is they'll become more performance-oriented. So if you look at our um, the, the production version of the ID Cross electric car that's going to be coming out um, end of next year or beginning of 21, that car, it's a 
you know, electric battery pack that's very low slung to the floor. So you, you get really good low center of gravity, so they handle really well. And with EVs, you get really good um, off-the-line performance. Uh, I think, you know, we're talking about probably low six-second figure for um, the, 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 the higher-powered version of, of the, the Cross. So I think, you know, you're going to see with the electric cars, you'll certainly see that off-the-line acceleration is going to be great. Um, they're going to have low central gravity. That will mean they'll be good round corners. And I think also, you know, you're going to see development of more sporty versions of, of particularly, I think, the, the compact SUVs. So, like I said, you know, there's a rumor that we'll do a Tiguan-R in the media. And, um, you know, I, I don't know whether it will come to the States if we do it, but certainly that would be a, a kind of a no-brainer. You know, the, the car actually um, is based on the MQB. It's the same platform as the Golf R, basically. Um, so there's no reason why you couldn't slot a 300-horsepower engine and, and put a sport suspension on that car. I mean, that's, that's a great SUV. I mean, I love I've driven a few of them, and I love them. And to have that kind of power and um, luxury, and, you know, and it's not luxury in the sense of... Uh, you know, a Bentley or anything like that, but it's a good, solid, small SUV that uh, that really gives you a good bang for the buck, but also feels good on the road. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you, you guys in Mazda have really come up with SUVs that are, I think, the most connected to the road out of maybe everybody. Yeah, I mean, that's something the engineers in Germany and Mexico um, who, who uh, engineer these cars, they're always aware that Volkswagen has a reputation for maybe being a little bit sportier than some of the, the other manufacturers out there. I think, you know, Mazda, as you say, is a good example. I think they do really nicely handling cars. And, you know, again, we, we try and do that, whether it's a, a Jetta or a Tiguan or, or an Atlas. So um, you want to get that connectivity to the road. And, you know, I've, I've driven Atlases on uh, uh, development drives with some of our engineers, and they're remarkably capable for such big vehicles and they're, they're kind of light on their feet and i think you know the the, the, the cx9 mazda is another example of that where it actually feels a lot lighter to drive than you know the size and the weight would, would give, give, the, give the appearance all right mark final question and this is actually a, a, a number of people have emailed this in when are we going to see a volkswagen bus um we're going to see an electric bus at some point. I mean, I think the, we've announced that it goes into production in 2022. Um, I think it would appear first in Europe, but we're very much working to get the vehicle here for the state. So it's, you know, probably for, this, for the U.S., if it happens, it's probably about three years away. But, yeah, we, we, we're keen to get it here because it's, um, you know, I think it will be a halo car for the brand, and it's such an icon. Um, and, you know, it looks cool as well. <laughs> At the end of the day, um, you know, my wife's like, oh, I'd like one of those. Uh, you know, she's, she's not that interested in SUVs, but she likes she likes the microbus. So um, I think it's got a lot of resonance, particularly in this market. You know, it's a super popular car, probably probably the first minivan if you look at it. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we're hoping we're going to get that uh, back to this market. in the Maybe we even need some love-ins. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe the automotive sector can lead the way in Lovins. Right, when we come back, we will jump into the Costco Auto Program. It's drive time. I'm New York Vinny right here on 1150 KKNW.
If you're searching for that perfect gift for the college-bound kid in your life, the Car Care Council suggests putting together a roadside emergency kit. An inexpensive roadside kit is easy to assemble and could be extremely useful, maybe even a lifesaver in the event of an emergency. Of course, it's always a good idea to be prepared for the unexpected while on the road, but the best option is to avoid breakdowns and car trouble wherever possible. Performing basic maintenance and observing a regular service schedule can help avoid unforeseen road emergencies. Roadside emergency items can fit into a small duffel bag or rubber storage tote and include the following. Jumper cables, emergency flares, flashlight and batteries, blankets and extra clothes, non-perishable snacks and bottled water, first aid kit including essential medications, portable USB charger to keep the cell phone running even if the car isn't, ice scraper, snow brush and small shovel for winter driving. And finally, keep a copy of the Car Care Guide available free of charge at carcare.org. Visit the Car Care Council's website to access a number of tips and resources for vehicle maintenance, including a free custom service schedule. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. You're listening to Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And welcome back to uh, this Saturday morning edition of Drive Time Radio. New York Vinny hanging out with you on a little bit of rain out there, but that's okay. If you're in Seattle, that's exactly what you're expecting. A little bit of rain a few days before Christmas. We get a chance now to talk to a gentleman uh, from an entity that I am a big fan of. Uh, If you are a person that, uh, you know, goes to Costco, you've probably walked by that car that's parked in the uh, the entryway as you got your shopping cart, saying to yourself, well, what the heck are they doing parking a car in here? Well, that car is there because of the Costco Auto Program. Uh, It is a program that brings Costco members into the fold of discounts. They sell probably, I believe I read somewhere, the second most cars in America, which is a lot of cars. And they give fantastic prices to Costco members. It's worth joining with the savings that you get from the Costco Auto Program. So I wanted to get a hold of Rick Borg, who is the Executive Vice President of Operations of the Costco Auto Program, spend a couple of minutes with him and ask him why this all works out the way it does. Rick, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Vinny. Uh, we're great. Thanks very much for having us. So I, I walk by the Costco, the car that's in there. I talk to people about Costco. Everybody I talk to about the Costco auto program says it saved them money. More than, in many cases, they could have saved anywhere else. Explain to me a little bit about the program and why the savings are so substantial in the program. Be happy to uh, be happy to. You know, part of uh, uh, part of this is the fact that uh, we've been doing this program for about 30 years uh, for Costco members, and what we have designed is really to be as Costco-like as possible. So, if you're shopping at Costco, you know whether it's in the store or for gas, et cetera, you go there because you trust that Costco has done their due diligence and trying to bring you the best pricing on 
goods and services as possible. And we follow that same model. And so uh, part of that is not just the pricing on the vehicles, which we endeavor to obviously have the best pricing uh, on vehicles in that particular market at that particular time. Uh, but also the part of the value here is the great process that we've developed for Costco members, which truly is a no-haggle, no-hassle type of uh, scenario in order for our members to complete that transaction at the dealership. See, that's the biggest thing, I think, today. It's not shopping for the car so much as it is the process that you have to go through in many dealerships, the, the haggle, the this, the that. You've got to take that piece of it out of the equation, but yet you deal with the human being as opposed to just going on to a, a website and, and, and buying a car that you don't know much about. Now that, and that's exactly right. We, uh, we have an exclusive uh, list of dealerships. Not every dealership participates, and those that do are exclusive for that brand uh, in that market or in that general area. And so we're only dealing with a specific dealership that has agreed to uh, pass along this value for Costco members, both in the pricing, as we talked about, as well as that process. And one step further than that, we've got exclusive specific people within the dealership that are trained and certified by us to extend both that both those value propositions. So it, it dives in deeper than just the dealership and uh, right down to the actual person that you would be interacting with at a dealership that has been trained and, again, certified by us. Rick Borg, Executive Vice President of Costco Auto Program, is with us here on Drive Time Radio on a Saturday morning. How do you select those dealers, Rick? Well, we obviously, are, again, are looking for dealers that understand what the Costco program is all about and what we're trying to do. Um, we're looking very strongly, obviously, what, if they're going to give us those values, uh, agree to that process. We're obviously looking at CSI scores, uh, not only for the dealership itself in general, but that second level with the individuals within the dealership at their CSI scores and consumer satisfaction. Uh, those, those individuals typically tend to be uh, the more experienced and knowledgeable uh, individuals at those dealerships, so it's not somebody who's unfamiliar uh, either with a product or good customer service. And, uh, that, and obviously geography has something to do. We try to keep them uh, uh, close to uh, the warehouses that they represent in that Costco population, uh, but sometimes they may not always be the closest dealership to a warehouse. Uh, we'll, we'll extend out to make sure that we're going to get the best possible dealership for that area. So it's a combination of really who's going to give us that value and have agreed to a process that we've designed. And you don't have the, uh, you, you know, you try to bring the Costco experience uh, to the car buyer, but you don't have the lines that you have to wait on, like if you went to buy, uh, you know, the large-sized toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. We don't have people queued up at the register, but uh, I will tell you that there is, uh, most dealerships that are part of the program, um, a good portion of their uh, monthly sales are uh, are uh, accounted to for two Costco members, and and they enjoy that uh, they enjoy that business. We see you guys. We see uh, uh, Carvana and all these different uh, car services. Uh, you you know used car lots with a big machine in them and everything like that. 
What's the landscape? How, how is how the average consumer goes out to buy a car these days changing, uh, you know, almost by month by month? It, it is. It, it is a changing landscape. I mean, again, we've been here for 30 years uh, doing this. We've obviously had to evolve and, and change with, with that uh, with those trends, obviously the internet coming in, uh, you know, 20 plus years ago, and uh, understanding the services that are strictly internet uh, only as opposed to brick and mortar, uh, we've seen those changes. To your point, we're seeing the uh, uh, the advent of these uh, uh, big companies that are specifically in the pre-owned market, the used market. Uh, there's there's some big players on there. They're, they're doing an admirable job, uh, and we understand that. Uh, but our, 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 our core business, again, is to help Costco members navigate, navigate those changes in that auto retailing landscape. And at our base function is really to give members the confidence and being comfortable with going to a dealership and, and being comfortable with those buying decisions in the direction they go, I should I should mention here it's one of our uh, one of our things that we do that really sets us apart from any other entity, be it a buying service that somebody may have heard about, uh, et cetera, is that we have a whole uh, advocacy type of role for members that they can count upon us at any time in the process. It, we're not in the mode of Here's your dealership, et cetera. Go see uh, so and so at this dealership. We're available for a dealership for a member to count on if they have any questions or concerns anywhere along in the process, whether it's before, during, or after. And we have the ability to help answer questions, uh, give directions. It's a complicated process sometimes, right. or review a tra- or review a transaction after the fact if they want to make sure they got that. Costco price and uh, explain anything that may have transpired. And, and so that's, that, that's so that, important. Well, it is important. Again, this is you, you start talking about uh, transactions and average transaction price now for a new car in the thirty-five thousand dollar range. That's still a lot of money, uh, any way you slice it. Members, you know, consumers in general buying a car four, five, seven years. Um, car dealers do this many times every day, right. and so people aren't familiar with what transpired five years ago to what there is now. And again, going back to giving a member some advocacy and helping them through the process, helping them be comfortable, and giving them a uh, a uh, an avenue and a resource to to check in with them and assist at any time is really where we're going to shine. Uh, over and above that value proposition, the price, and the process. Rick, a, a final question for you. Cars becoming, um, I don't want to say unaffordable, but, but are we getting to a point in the consumer automotive transaction where, uh, you know, the price is starting to become prohibitive, uh, for somebody, prohibitive for somebody to go out and, and buy a new car? Or, or do they have to extend their loans through? Now we're seeing loans for 90 months and, and so on and so forth. As far as the price of cars, which way is that going? And, and, and what's people, somebody that wants to buy a new car, can they afford to still buy 
a, a decent used car that they have to stick with maybe something that's uh, a little less than they wanted? You know, I, I, well, you've asked a couple of questions there. You know, new versus 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 pre-owned. Um, yes, cars are getting more expensive, um, and yes, those financing terms are stretching out. As you mentioned, 72, 84, 96 months. To your point, uh, I think there's some concerns there uh, in the big picture down the road. Uh, Individuals are going to make their own decisions with regards to, you know, what they can and can't afford. Uh, with the Costco Auto Program, obviously we're assisting in some of that with regards to the actual pricing that they will pay uh, and that, that value proposition, that Costco-like program. However, your other point about uh, pre-owned cars, uh, we do participate in a pre-owned program. We have a pre-owned program in many parts of the country that focuses strictly on um, uh, certified pre-owned cars, which I think is a great alternative for members. Right. Uh, I'm a big believer in factory certification programs. Uh, I've had a couple of them myself, uh, and oftentimes uh, those pose a, an opportunity to get into a car with a relatively low amount of miles. The vehicles have been factory certified. You have some protection of a warranty sponsored by the, by the factory, that extends beyond the original warranty that went with a new car. And that's a really viable alternative for a lot of uh, consumers today. And it's certainly something that uh, many people might want to consider uh, when, the, when it comes time to change to another car. Rick Borg, Executive Vice President of Operations of the Costco Auto Program. Oh, you know, I can't let you go without asking you one question. What was your first car? <laughs> um, Interestingly enough, my first car, uh, and I won't tell you how long ago it was, but it was pretty old at the time, was a 1948 Willys Jeep. Oh, wow. <laughs> that I ran around on the farm when I was 15 and finally was able to get it on the road. The day I turned 16, I went down and got my license and I was able to get on the road. But it was, it was fairly old by that point when I was able to do that. Well, th well, see, we always like to ask people what their first car was because uh, there's always that love affair with that first car. You're just like me, 7 o'clock the day I turned 16, 7 o'clock in the morning. I was at the Department of Motor Vehicles, um, you know, trying to get my driver's license. I, I was the same way, except it was the day after because I turned 16 on a Sunday. So I had to wait till Monday, but <laughs> I was right there. Hey, Rick, thanks so much for taking a couple of minutes to uh, talk to us about the Costco Auto Program. If people want to check into it more, uh, just go to a Costco store, or is there a website? There is a website. Uh, any Costco store will have the appropriate brochure and materials in and around that display vehicle that you mentioned earlier on, uh, but uh, very very easily you can go to CostcoAuto.com. Rick Borg, Executive Vice President of Operations of the Costco Auto Program. Rick, thanks so much for taking some time to uh, explain the program to us. We wish you good luck and have a very Merry Christmas. You too, Vinny. Thanks very much for uh, having us with you today. All right. Thanks. All right. I'm Vinny. I'm New York Vinny. He's Rick Bork. This is Drive Time Radio. We'll come up with our review of the week, the road test, the drive. What are we driving this week? Stick around. We'll let you know, and I'll tell you how I liked it right here on Drive Time Radio on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. Buckle up for safety. Buckle up. 
Buckle up for safety, always buckle up. Pull your seatbelt snug, give an extra tug. Buckle up for safety, buckle up. Buckle up for safety, buckle up. Buckle up for safety, always buckle up. Show the world you care by the belt you wear. Buckle up for safety when you're driving. Buckle up, buckle up for safety, buckle up. The National Safety Council says seatbelts can and do save lives every day. Buckle up for safety, everybody. Buckle up. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. You're listening to Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. I'm back with you here on Drive Time. Get ready for our final, uh, our final segment before we uh, before we get out of here. Get back out on the road. And uh, thank you so much to uh, Clark uh, to uh, Mark Gillies. I should almost say Clark Gillies. Mark Gillies and to uh, Rick Borg from Costco for uh, jumping on with us for a couple of minutes in uh, on our show here. And um, and we hope you're enjoying. As I said, you might not be able to hear their interviews, but you can go online uh, to uh, Apple and get our podcast. You can get it at Stitcher. You can, I believe, get it at Pandora, and you can get it at Anchor. FM. So you have all of those, uh, all of those different um, a- avenues to get the podcast down and download. As I said, I put something extra into the podcast uh, to you know allow you to go back and listen to it. Usually, we get them up by uh, by Monday morning. Well, uh, let's. What do you say we jump into the uh, drive time road test? The drive time radio road test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, there's nothing ugly about the 2019 Toyota Camry Hybrid HSC. It is really, uh, when you are looking for a family car, a hybrid, you are you want to join that, um, maybe you want to graduate from the Prius, uh, you still want a car, a family car, uh, something that is not an SUV. You don't have to sit up high, but you you want to be conscious about gas, and uh, you want to do something about the environment, and you want to um, have a comfortable car. And that is the um, the thing that strikes me so much about the Toyota Camry Hybrid: how comfortable it is. What a comfortable road car it is. You know, usually. You get into a lot of cars today, and you're kind of your leg. And I'm a big guy, obviously, so when I get into a car, I kind of feel it a little bit. You feel kind of squeezed. Not so in the uh, Camry Hybrid. They aggressively restyled it a few years ago, the Camry, to give it sharper lines, uh, a more racy look. And I think they did an excellent job of it. Uh, the lines outside carry the uh, the car well. It looks good rolling down the road, as well as just sitting there parked. There's a nice little aggressive racing look about it. Maybe that's uh, because they use them in NASCAR uh, as the uh, Toyota 
Uh, not, not, not the hybrid, obviously, but the regular uh, Camry is used in NASCAR. Inside, as I said, very, very, very comfortable. Uh, the addition uh, I have has cloth seats, and they're heated and ventilated and really make you feel um, on a long trip. Uh, you can adjust the posture. You can adjust the, uh, the lumbar. Uh, and it really, uh, really makes you, uh, you know, takes that, that back pain away and uh, the different things that you can go through on a long trip. The cabin is quiet. The fuel economy is great, too. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Uh, but now that they've added the Apple CarPlay to it, it really, um, I mean, it's got a Wi-Fi hotspot. And I could have done this whole show from inside the car, but I didn't want to take a chance on uh, dropping you and not being able to do that. So uh, it's really most of the reviewers rank it number one in family cars. And, you know, your choices now are starting to get less and less in cars. As you see, the different manufacturers start to go away from automobiles and, um, you know, go to SUVs and uh, different cars. It's, it's named by U.S. News and World Report as the best car for teens. It's uh, it just as that, as that mid-size sedan is stellar. Great backseat room as well if you got to climb in the backseat. And a ginormous trunk. I mean, I've stuffed more stuff into, into this trunk. I mean, it looks like me in spandex. That's how good... This, uh, this trunk is. It just it holds everything in there. A uh, couple of suitcases, a cooler, uh, all the stuff that you need to take with you uh, wherever you're going, as long as it's not skis or anything like that. And, uh, you know, for those, you can get a rack and put them on the top. So it's an excellent, excellent um, value if you have to uh, pack the family up and take them on uh, a vacation. Uh, the base Camry Hybrid is around $28,150. I think the one I'm driving, uh, unfortunately, I forgot to get the sticker in me, the uh, uh, the sticker price, but I believe uh, when I looked at it, it was around $35,000 uh, plus you. Well, I don't know if you get rebates on them anymore because they're so popular and so many of them out there. But uh, in some states, you do get... Um, you know, different uh, different types of incentive, tax incentives. And in California, of course, you get to use uh, the carpool lane. Uh, so that's really, um, when it comes down to economy, when it comes down to comfort, when it comes down to a car doing everything that a family asks it to uh, in an automobile, not in an SUV, but in an automobile, uh, the, with the, uh, as I said, the cargo space in the back uh, that, that'll fit a ton of stuff in there. The comfort of three people being able to sit across in the rear seat. It beats just about everything. Plus, you have the Toyota Intune system, which I think is one of the, uh, the, the easiest to use and best systems as far as connecting your phone and doing all the different things that you now need to do with your phone, the nav, and everything else. It all works seamlessly with that uh, with that Intune system. 53 miles per gallon on the highway is what they advertise. And I got to tell you something, I probably got a little bit more now when I moved into uh, 
South Dakota, you can do 80 miles an hour, so the gas mileage goes down. But it was still in the 40s at uh, 80 miles an hour. So, so, And the thing that impressed me with this car is the handling. And, you know, you would expect, you think hybrid. Oh, it's light. You're not going to feel it. It's drive-by. No, no, no. The Camry actually handled very, very well. And with the safety equipment that it has, uh, which is all of the different, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, cruise control and lane departure equipment and everything like that, it really it's it's a pleasure to drive. If you start to veer off a course, it keeps you uh, it keeps you going, it keeps you um, uh, it, it keeps your attention on the road. But if your attention veers away a little bit, it's right there with you. It puts you right back in the lane, whether you're doing 30 miles an hour or 90 miles an hour. It all works out really well. So um, in conclusion, the Camry Hybrid uh, is a uh, is a solid, solid family car. If you're still one of those people that loves cars and don't feel like you need to have an SUV, you don't have to sit up high, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that, all the stuff that an SUV does, then... The Camry is certainly a car worth uh, looking at in that uh, in that class of midsize to full size uh, car. I know Toyota has the Avalon, which is their full size, but a solid job. Great safety um, stuff as well. Uh, the crash test results uh, give it a five star overall. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. And um, the Safety Sense System uh, (TSSP) is what they call it. The pre-collision system, pedestrian detection, lane departure, automatic high beams. The automatic high beams on a long trip are great, man. You know, you just, uh, it, it just takes care of it, and they really have a good sense of uh, what it's supposed to be doing. So, an excellent uh, choice in that. And also, the uh, bird's eye view camera is uh, really something good. You know, where you can kind of look around the car. Some of the models uh, come with that. As well, three models on that: an LE, an SE, and an XLE. I'm driving the XLE, which is the top of the line model. And um, uh, as I said, the interior is uh, really, really um, comfortable, and it's an excellent value. So, if you're in the market for that kind of car, that's something that you should uh, go out and take a look at. All right, that's our uh, drive time road test for the week. As we uh, are live here in Gillette. Wyoming at the beautiful Howard Johnson's Motor Inn, which uh, if you're going through town, uh, well, you got a lot of choices here. <laughs> Maybe this shouldn't be one of them. <laughs> no, you know, listen, it's late at night. You need a room. You pull into the first place that you can find, right? I can only imagine how it must have been when, uh, when I was a kid. My father used to have to pull into motels like that. All right, um, let's talk about next week a little bit, if we can. Can we? Okay, next week on the show, we're going to do Santa Vinny. We're going to have uh, a bunch of small gifts to give away, and I am endeavoring, I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but I am endeavoring if we can take a little time for Santa Claus to stop by for a couple of minutes and uh, wish all the listeners to drive time radio uh, a very merry christmas so we'll do that santa claus uh you know is busy this time of year but he's polishing up his sleigh we will also uh, have a review 
our review next week, our drive time road test, will be of Santa's sleigh. So it'll be a special little Christmas show that I like to do every year because I like Christmas. It'll be my first Christmas back in Seattle in a long time. So uh, we'll uh, get to it and have some fun and uh, do that also, as I said, coming up in the uh, weeks to come. We will also uh, construct it when I'm in Seattle so that we can take phone calls, uh, lots of good topics, and we got a, no- a couple of other really good surprises coming up for you as the new year rolls around. We're going to have a, uh, a chance for all of the Drive Time listeners in Seattle to come and meet and uh, watch the show live and, uh, and a couple of car show things that I'm working on. So uh, the show is in its infancy in Seattle, but uh, every week we move along and we do some more good stuff, and that's what uh, what I like to do. You know, it's it's not sports; it's just it's cars. You know, but yet we'll weave sports into it. We'll have some people talking about uh, the racing scene uh, and uh, the auto sports scene as well, and also we'll have um, kind of our version of the antiques roadshow, I guess you would call it, where if you have a classic car, you'll be able to call up and uh, maybe get a quick. Uh, idea of what that thing might be worth or what it might go for. So lots of good stuff uh, planned for you here on uh, on Drive Time. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a little different. It's a lot of fun to do this show. I hope that you tell people uh, about it and to listen and to, uh, and to get things, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to be able to spend some time together on a Saturday morning talking about cars like we used to do. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, we'd all get together on Saturday morning at the gas station and work on our cars and talk about them. And, oh, this guy knew this about a car. That guy knew that. That guy was a better Ford mechanic. Uh, we've kind of lost that somewhat, although I'm really excited about the cars and coffee thing that goes on and people that take their cars out to different meets and shows and things like that. And uh, in the upcoming year, we'll be doing a lot of that stuff. We're also trying to get set up so that we do remotes as well so we can go out and uh, and, and do our stuff uh, out in the street, uh, you know, out uh, and, and meet you and kind of shake your hand and thank you in person for listening to the show. So, you know, so that's a lot of stuff that we have planned. And uh, as I said, uh, today it is off to the rest of Wyoming and then, Idaho, uh, and then Idaho, and then into uh, Washington State. I'm looking forward to that beautiful drive across uh, from the Palouse. And it really has been beautiful. I mean, it's been amazing to me how incredibly beautiful. I talked about this at the open of the show, uh, just about how beautiful this country is and just the scenes of the, uh, the prairie with the snow on it. It, it was funny. I passed... Um, uh, the little house on the, uh, Laura Ingalls, little house on the prairie, the town that uh, where she lived and she wrote about it. I didn't get a chance to go and stop. It was about 50 miles out of the way. But uh, I, I passed that place, and you could see, um, you know, you just get that feeling of warmth. You get that feeling of how people lived many years ago. And, it, and it's funny that although many things have changed, still – there's that sense in the small towns of America 
uh, the communities in America uh, that everybody does things together. Everybody goes to church. Everybody goes to the uh, different meeting halls and stuff like that and helps each other out in these small towns. It's really something to see. I suggest for anybody to get out of the city if you're in the city. And oh, I just heard a crash outside, and I just realized that the railroad yard is across the street. Some Union Pacific train was hooking up out there. You know, you forget you're in Wyoming. I mean, you got cattle cars over there. The actual cattle cars, not the uh, not sound transit. <laughs> uh, all right, that is going to put it in the books for us. Thank you so much for listening to Drive Time this week. I will catch you on the road. Thanks to Mike for putting it all together, and thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next week at uh, 8 o'clock, if the Lord's will and the creek don't rise, right here on Drive Time Radio on 1150 KKNW.